Good evening, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated and bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I'm your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, hoping you all have enjoyed your first day of December. Hard to believe in a month it will be 2023. Wow. Now, the title of the episode tonight is Unexpected Endings. And that's in reference to the surprising conclusions of the radio plays featured tonight. So, without further ado, this is Terra Radio. The two radio programs highlighted tonight are The Unexpected and The Weird Circle. Now, a quick history on The Unexpected. It was a syndicated 15-minute series which featured weird stories with unexpected twists. Hence the title, The Unexpected. (laughs) Now, from what I gather from doing my research is that The series first aired between July and August of 1947 and then went into syndication in 1948 with several of the episodes being re-recorded or rebroadcasted, if you will. In fact, the only episodes available today are from 1948. Two stories will be featured tonight. The first being Mercy Killing, which is the first episode of the series and first broadcasted on July 7th, 1947, and then re-broadcasted in syndication on April 11th, 1948. After that is The Masterpiece, which first broadcasted on September 19th, 1948. Both of these stories feature the actor Barry Sullivan. Next, we have The Weird Circle. And the radio play featured tonight is called A Terrible Night. And it first broadcasted on January 23rd, 1944. And this was an adaptation of the short story written by Fitz James O'Brien. And the story was published in 1856. So, you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Mercy Killing, followed by Masterpiece, and concluding with a terrible night. From Hollywood, Barry Sullivan in The Unexpected. The Unexpected. The Unexpected. Life is filled with the unexpected, happy, romantic, tragic and mysterious endings to our most ordinary actions. Dreams come true or dreams are shattered by sudden twists of fate in The Unexpected. Who knows what drama may happen tomorrow or an hour from now or in just a moment? Who knows what destiny has in store for the lady down the street, the fellow at the next desk, or you, yourself? Who knows? Listen for just a moment 
for the unexpected. Mr. Barry Sullivan, outstanding motion picture and stage star in a drama of the unexpected titled Mercy Killing. My name is Arnold Stanton. I'm a salesman, a successful one. I live in a little frame house on a shady street out in the suburbs. I've been married for 12 years. All our friends say that Evelyn and I are an ideal couple, devoted to each other. But a few minutes ago, as I came through the front door... I decided to murder my wife. Is that you, Arnold? You're a little late tonight, aren't you? If you miss the bus, you're usually here by six and it's five after. Yeah. Oh, you look tired, darling. I think you've been working too hard lately. You really need a rest or you'll be ill one of these days. And I don't know what I'd do if anything should happen to you. But we won't ever talk about that, will we, dear? Now, you just sit down here and rest. That's what you need, rest. Yes, I need a rest. A rest from Evelyn. Sometimes I hate her. Sometimes I'd like to take her throat in my hands and... It's always, darling, what did you do today? And, uh, Arnold, what shall we have for dinner? Why, she can't even get her hair fixed without asking me first. I can't stand it. From morning till night, day after day, she hasn't a thought of her own. She's not a real person. No, she's nothing but a parasite feeding on my spirit. If I could leave her. No. <laughs> Why, if I mentioned the word divorce, she'd have hysterics for a week. I couldn't break her heart like that. Leaving Evelyn would be worse than killing her. Yes, killing her. But how? It should be a simple crime. An accident, that's it. It's got to look accidental. A fall, that's logical enough. A fall on the stairs. No, no, in the bathtub and then... But not tonight. Tomorrow morning. Everyone knows she sleeps late. I'll ask her to get up early. No one will suspect. And then the first thing tomorrow morning... Evelyn, you awake, Evelyn? She's gone. She downstairs already? Am I too late? Is that you, darling? I got up early like you asked me to. I'm all ready for the tub, and I'll have breakfast ready before you get dressed. Don't hurry. There's plenty of time. Now, I don't want you to be late because of me. I wouldn't want people to say that I wasn't a dependable wife. Oh, Arnold, don't touch me. The tub is slippery, and I might fall. Arnold, you're pushing me. Don't! seems very normal. The office, Miss Roberts, very normal. And Evelyn is dead and I'm safe. They can't have found her yet. They'll call me as soon as they do. It shouldn't be much longer. I wonder who will find the body. 
Probably it'll be that Mrs. Bronson down the street. Yes, Mrs. Bronson. She's the likeliest. No, no, she wouldn't. She wouldn't. She wouldn't call the police. She doesn't know anything is wrong. She'd think Evelyn was out shopping or something. Then tonight when I come home, I'd have to find her. Oh, no, I don't want that. I don't want to go back into that bathroom. Oh, but I won't have to. I'll get a call any moment now. Anyway, by the time I'm back from lunch, everything will be all right then. Did you have a nice lunch, Mr. Stanton? Oh, you know how restaurants are these days. Any messages while I was out? No, sir, not a thing. Nothing at all? No. Were you expecting something in particular? No, no, just wanted... Well, I'll be in my office if you should need me. They would have called if they'd found her. I'd be notified right away unless... Unless something went wrong. Come in. I'm sorry to bother you, Mr. Stanton. I forgot to tell you when you just asked. Yes? There was a message for you. I don't know how I could have overlooked it. It was right on my bed. What was it, Miss Roberts? Oh, nothing urgent or anything like that. What was the message? It was from your wife. She's playing bridge and may be late getting home this evening. She didn't want you to worry about her. I... Is something wrong? I'm sorry, I forgot. No. No, nothing at all. Thank you, Miss Roberts. I won't let it happen again. Can't be true. She's not alive. That was blood in the water. Her blood, I saw her die. She's not alive. Miss Roberts must have made a mistake. Yes, that's it, a mistake. She did forget the message at first. It must have come in before, yesterday or last week. Miss Roberts was looking at the wrong page in a book. Of course, that's it, just a mistake, a perfectly natural mistake. I shouldn't let a little thing like that upset me. I think I'll rest for a minute. I feel a little tired. I guess that's natural. I'll just relax for a moment. It's after five, Mr. Stanton. I'll be going now if there's nothing more. No, I have to hurry along myself. I don't want to be late. Evelyn will be waiting for me. Oh, no. Don't you remember? She's playing bridge. Oh. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I forgot. Well, good night, Mr. Stanton. So it wasn't a mistake. Now, Miss Roberts doesn't make mistakes. Then I have to go home. Home to Evelyn. Evelyn. Evelyn, are you there? Evelyn. Evelyn! I've got to open the bathroom door. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's no one in there, no one alive, just Evelyn. I've got to go in there. I'm not afraid of Evelyn. She's dead. I know she's dead. Well, what if she's alive? What'll she say? What'll she do? Well, maybe... Maybe the police are waiting for me in there. Waiting to see how I'll act. Well, no, I can't go in. Not yet. Not until I know... If Evelyn is playing bridge, if she really is alive, she's at Mrs. Bronson's. I can find out. Hello? Hello. Is that you, Mrs. Bronson? Yes. Who is this, please? Arnold. Arnold Stanton. Hello, Mr. Stanton. How are you? I don't like to bother you, Mrs. Bronson, but there was a message for me this afternoon. Something about Evelyn. Bridge, I think. She isn't there with you, is she? Yes. 
Yes, as a matter of fact, she is. Would you like to speak to her? Yes, I would. Well, just hold on. Evelyn? Evelyn? Just a minute, Mr. Stanton. Are you still there, Evelyn? Hello? Hello? Evelyn, Evelyn. Oh, I'm terribly sorry, Mr. Stanton. Evelyn isn't here after all. She, She must have left while I was talking to you. She's probably on her way home now. She ought to be there any minute. Mr. Stanton, did you hear me? Mr. Stanton? Evelyn, at last I know. The door is open and I know there's Evelyn just as I left her. She's dead, really dead. But Mrs. Bronson told me... They know, they must know. They try to trap me. The police must be outside right now waiting to see what I do next. They'll probably come in any minute to arrest me. But they won't get the chance. It's your gun, Evelyn. I gave it to you because you were afraid. Afraid of being alone in the house, but you never needed it. Now I'm afraid, Evelyn. I need the revolver. They found me out. Somehow, somewhere, I slipped. I wish I knew what it was, but there isn't time. Now I'll never know. Pick up the gun. Put it next to my cheek. It's cold against my face. And now, squeeze the trigger. You think the story is over, don't you? But wait. Fate takes a hand. Wait for the unexpected. Now for the surprising conclusion of Mercy Killing, starring Barry Sullivan, written by Robert Libet and Frank Burt, and produced and directed by Frank K. Danzig. And Evelyn and Arnold were so happy. Too bad. But it's all over now. Well, not quite over. Just a few words more. A short comment from Mrs. Bronson. You remember the bridge-playing matron down the street? She's talking to Inspector Cook from Homicide. Yes, Inspector. In a way, I feel sort of responsible. You see, Evelyn was such a dear friend, and there was this other person. Really, he was a charming young man, and Evelyn had been seeing him. I told her she was very wrong, but you know how it is, so I sort of covered for her, as they say. As a matter of fact, I called Mr. Stanton's office this afternoon and pretended I was Evelyn. You see... She had asked me to because today was to be something special and she was afraid she'd be late. 
And then later he telephoned me to check up on her. I had to say she was with me, and when he wanted to talk to her, I pretended she just left. Just imagine. I told him Evelyn was on the way home. And then he went upstairs and found her. Like that. Oh, it must have been horrible. I don't know what he thought, but he must have been overcome. People don't kill themselves unless they are. But anyway, he never found out about the young man. It makes sort of a perfect ending. Poor Mr. Stanton. He loved her so. Mercy Killing, starring Barry Sullivan, was transcribed in Hollywood. Listen for another exciting story starring lovely Marcia Hunt, who meets the unexpected. This is a Hamilton Whitney radio production. Presented under the supervision of Alvin C. Gershenson. Sullivan in The Unexpected. Sure, I was lucky. A hundred thousand dollars lucky. And it was just standing there looking pretty, waiting to be framed. But something else was waiting, too. I didn't know it then, but I was going to meet the Unexpected. The unexpected, a secret future, a hidden destiny waiting for you. Where, when, who knows, tomorrow, today, an hour from now, perhaps in just a moment, you too will meet. The unexpected. Before our story, here is a word from your announcer. And now, the popular motion picture star, Barry Sullivan, in Masterpiece, a drama of the unexpected. It was raining that afternoon. The old buildings of Lower Manhattan were crying. Their tears spattered in drops off the awnings, rushed out in streams from the drain pipes and gutters of the old brownstone houses. I was deep in the village, surrounded by art shops and sidewalk cafes and... Dingy apartment buildings that long-haired men and short-haired women called studios. I ought to have felt at home there, I guess, but somehow I didn't. Maybe Myra was right. Maybe I wasn't an artist. Yeah, but you can't kill a man's desire to paint unless you kill a man. Got a match? I hadn't even seen her standing there on the corner. She was wearing a man's slicker and a Windsor knotted tie poked out from the opening at her neck. She was trying awfully hard not to look like a beautiful woman. 
I reached into my pocket and pulled out a couple of kitchen matches. Here you are. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, going anywhere in particular? Yeah. Mind if I walk along? What for? Oh, I, I like company. I don't. So long, and thanks for the light, Mr. All right, so she was a character. You get used to that in my business. All the hardest are nuts. Yeah, but there was something about this one that... Uh, I watched across the street. She turned into a broken walk that led up to a building marked Cora Fredericks Art Gallery. She pounded up four crumbling cement steps that were held together by a rusted iron rail and opened the door. Well, I had sense enough to come in out of the rain. All right, mister, what are you selling? Selling? Look, I can smell a broken-down artist a block away, and you're it. Landscapes? <laughs> yeah, a few. And still life. They always paint still life. Well, where are they? I I haven't got any with me. Okay, bring them in tomorrow. I'll see what I can do. I started to thank her, but just then a flash <laughs> of the corners of the dark room. She jumped, but I wasn't watching her. Something else caught my eye, a picture. A picture standing over by the window. Oh, what are you staring at, mister? The place isn't haunted. It's old, but not that old. Oh, oh, I see that painting over there. Funny, I never noticed it before. Wonder who left it here. I gotta learn to lock that door. They're always right about the in picture. It was just a still life, some fruit in a bowl painted with weird colors and distorted shapes. Nothing anybody would want, n- nobody with good sense. But when the lightning flashed, I knew that I had to buy that picture, even if it took my last dollar. And it did. Here you are, Cora. Five bucks. Take it or leave it. That's five bucks more than it's worth. You ought to know that. You're a painter. Well, then sell it to me for less. You're a painter, but I'm a businesswoman. I'll take the five. Yeah, sure. Here. Here, I'll put a newspaper around it. Mustn't let a masterpiece get wet. Yeah, thanks. Say, I'd better find out your name. You'll be the first person to own a genuine O'Hara. Juan will want to know who you are. Glenn Clark. I live over on 3rd Street. Well, here you are, Glenn. I'll see you tomorrow. And I hope the stuff you paint is better than the stuff you buy. By the time I got home, the storm outside had stopped, but there was one inside waiting for me at the top of the apartment house stairs. Glenn Clark, where have you been? Myra was shouting, but I wasn't paying attention. I was used to an egging. I'd been listening to her for seven years now, and maybe, well, maybe just by accident, just because of a rainstorm and a flash of lightning, I'd find a way to shut her up. Did it happen to other people before, a lucky break that made the difference between Greenwich Village and Park Avenue? Well, heaven knows it's my turn. Now, what have you got there? What have you wasted your money on this time? You just shut up for a minute, I'll tell you. Oh, you'll tell me, all right. You'll have a good excuse. Well, if you've spent this week's rent again, I'm going to leave you. Do you hear me, Glenn Clark? I'm going to get a divorce. Shut up, Myron. Go inside. Don't you I dare. said go inside. Now, listen to me for a minute. I bought this painting. It took my last five bucks. You mean that you... Now, listen. If I'm right about it, we'll have enough five-dollar bills to paper this whole room. Here. Here, wait a second now. Just take a look at this. There. Oh, no. No. Glenn Clark, I always suspected you weren't in your right mind. But I didn't think you'd go as far as this. This, this monstrosity, why... Why, it's worse than the stuff you paint. Thanks for the compliment. It's funny, isn't it? Just hilarious that you should spend our last five dollars on a horrible-looking still life. (laughs) Well, go on, Glenn. Why don't you laugh the way you've been laughing at me all along? Don't you see the joke? Well, I'll show it to you. 
I'll give you something to laugh about. Myra, put down that knife. This is what you brought home for dinner, isn't it, Glenn? Well, let's eat it. I'll cut it up, and we'll have it in sandwiches with mustard, Glenn. With mustard! Stop it, Myra. Come here, Seth. Myra, stop it. I didn't buy this painting because it was pretty. Here, here, look at it under the lamp. See up there in the corner where the paint's thin? There's another picture painted underneath this one. So what? We've got 60 paintings cluttering up the poisons. Not like the one underneath. This is old canvas, Myra, very old. And the color in that corner, that purple, only one man ever used that purple. And no one has ever been able to mix it since. What are you talking only about? Only one man, Myra, Rembrandt. Rembrandt? Yeah. I saw it in the shop when the lightning flashed. I could tell then that the stupid fool who did this still life had painted over a Rembrandt, and he didn't even know it. No one knows it but us. Oh, no. Things like that just don't happen. They happen all the time. Every year, someone stumbles across a masterpiece. Well, this year, it's our turn. Do you know what a Rembrandt's worth, Myra? Well, I... At least $100,000. But, Glenn, isn't it ruined? I mean, the other picture on top... No, 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 I'll take it off. And I won't touch the Rembrandt when I do it. There's a special preparation. Look in my coat pocket. I got the paint store to give it to me on credit. Go on, get it, Myra. And I'll show you what a masterpiece really looks like. Wait a minute. Myra. Yes? Take the painting into the bedroom. I don't want anyone to see it. All right, Glenn. I'm coming. Hi. Oh, oh, it's you. Uh, what do you want? I thought I'd look at your paintings. Mind if I come in? I, uh, I don't keep my stuff here. Oh? Anyway, I'm busy right now. All right. Then I'll give it to you straight. I want that picture back. It was a mistake. I shouldn't have sold it to you. Yeah, but you did sell it. And I'll buy it back. It'll cost you more than five bucks. How much more? Oh, say a hundred. A hundred dollars? You didn't let me finish. A hundred thousand. What? Well, everything's going up nowadays. They call it inflation. I call it robbery. That's it, Cora. A hundred Gs. You don't think I'd really pay anything like that for a silly little painting. Especially when I I can have it for nothing. I was not closely enough. I didn't see the gun as it was pointing at my stomach. Now, get that picture, Glenn. And no arguments. Yeah. Well, I guess my price has come down. They call that deflation. Yeah, Get sure, the picture. Sure. It's right in. Oh, uh, why, you it, dirty rock. Drop it or I'll break oh. your wrist. Drop it. Let go. Let go of that gun. Uh, now, do I call the cops or do you leave? She left. I watched her clatter down the stairway. Then I closed the door. Well, my hunch had been right. The painting was real and valuable. Little girl art dealers don't run around with guns chasing after $5 still lives. I went into the bedroom, laid the picture on the floor, and started in with a rag, some fluid, and a prayer. An hour later, I was finished. My hands were sweating and my head was spinning around and round, but right in the middle of my brain was a beautiful picture. A portrait by Rembrandt. A masterpiece. You think the story is over, don't you? But wait. Fate takes a hand. Wait. For... The Unexpected.
Now, Barry Sullivan in the surprising conclusion of Masterpiece, a drama of the unexpected. Who is it? Me, Cora. Haven't you had enough? I, I, I want to make a deal. All right. I've got your gun. Come on in. You've still got the painting. I want it. I'll pay. The price hasn't changed. A hundred thousand? No sales tax. Well, I guess it serves me right for not recognizing a masterpiece. I was just lucky. I'll say you were. Right after you bought it, my, uh, my partner came in. He left it in the shop intending to hide it for... You mean it's hot? My partner isn't always too particular where he buys his art. Well, let's have it. The money first. Sure. You'll have to take a check. How do I know it's good? You can call the bank. My partner has a large account. All right, just make it out of cash. And don't forget any of the zeros. Don't worry, I won't. Well, here it is. I didn't tell you I cleaned it up. Cleaned it up? What are you talking about? The picture. What are you trying to pull? That's just a copy of a Rembrandt. Where's the Gauguin painting? Gauguin? But I thought... it, It was painted over. Oh, you stupid fool! Gauguin couldn't afford new canvas. He took the stuff students had used when they copied the old masters. Then he painted over them. Do you know what you've done? I, I, you've destroyed a masterpiece. Masterpiece starred Barry Sullivan and featured Inez Seabury and Marlo Dwyer. This is Hal Sawyer, inviting you to listen again soon when another of your favorite motion picture stars meets... The Unexpected. The Unexpected is a Hamilton Whitney production, transcribed in Hollywood. We are met to call from out of the past stories, strange and weird. Bellkeeper, toll the bell so that all may know we are gathered again in the weird circle. again the immortal tale, A Terrible Night. Silence in the court. Next witness, please. If Your Honor, please. The next witness is Charles Costara, the defendant in this case. Will Mr. Castar please take the stand? Silence in the court. Place your left hand on the Bible. 
Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. Suppose, Mr. Castar, you tell this court your story in your own words. From the... the very beginning? Uh, don't be afraid. From the very beginning. Well, I... I don't know where to start, to be honest. I... I feel like a man that's drowning. I guess it started the night my wife, Bertha, and her brother, Dick Linton, were helping me to pack my suitcase. Dick and I were preparing to go on a hunting trip in Canada in the northwest section when... And don't forget to put the compass in, Charlie. A hunting man needs a compass, you know. Sure he does. Keeps him from getting lost. Ha. See how bright my wife is, Dick? She knows all the answers. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. I know, Bertha, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that when a gal's brother and husband go gallivanting off on a hunting trip to the North Woods, a gal wants to know they're coming back safe. Now you worry about Charles, Bertha. You know me. I never get lost. You remember the camping trips we used to take when we were kids? You were a Boy Scout then, Dick. He's no Boy Scout now. Hey. <laughs> well, let's see, darling. Have I, uh, I got everything packed in here? Yes, dear, everything. Woolen underwear? You're a lucky man to have a wife gun like cartridges? my sister, Charles. For both guns? Mm-hmm. The cartridges for the hunting gun are in the uh, rear pocket of this suitcase. Uh -huh. And for the thirty-eight, they're in your holster. Oh, good girl. Where's your suitcase, Dick? Oh, it's checked at the station. Hey, what time is it? Well, it's almost 10 p.m. Oh, we better be going along, darling. I like to catch my trains with ease. I'll help you close the suitcase, Charles. The best suitcase sitter owner in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, there, that does it. You can get off now. <laughs> Have a nice trip, both of you. Bring back at least two dozen deer. Oh, at least, sis. Bye, honey. <laughs> Bye. Oh, don't forget your muffler, darling. It's in the closet downstairs. And please, please be careful. When little boys play with guns, well, you know how dangerous guns can be. So we left, Dick and I. We took the express to Montreal and then traveled by train west of the Hudson Bay to the Northwest Territory, specifically to a small town known as Fort Ray. What equipment we hadn't already purchased, we purchased there, mostly food provisions and plenty of coffee. Then, on the morning of September 3rd, Dick and I started out on foot. It was a clear, brisk morning, and the air was alive with sounds. Birds chirping, the constant crunch of leaves underfoot. We were both in high spirits, as Dick said. Oh, this is the life, old boy. This is what a man needs. To get away from civilization and breathe again. Yeah, back to nature. Mm-hmm. Back to nature's right. You know, there's something the matter with modern civilization. You get all jogged up inside. Begin to think all sorts of strange things. Strange, Dick? In what way? Oh, morbid thoughts. Hating yourself, hating everybody else, hating the world. You know, that's bad for a writer. His work becomes bitter and he pours the gall out in words. Paints the world he sees in gray overtones. You mean like that last story you sold? Yeah. It was a depressing story, but that was my mood. Both you and Bertha have morbid emotional streaks. Well, Sis and I are very much alike in many ways. Huh. Funny, my marrying Bertha. What's so funny about it? You know, uh, I engineered it. You did? Why? Well, Bertha and I have always been pretty close, you know. Much closer than ordinary brother and sister. I didn't want to see her marry some clerk. Well, thanks, Dick. You be my roommate at college, I got to know you pretty well. Yes, sis and I have the same likes and dislikes, and I just knew you were right for her. You mean to tell me I didn't have anything at all to say about it? Mm, sort of. Sort of? <laughs> <laughs> well, Bertha's beauty, her... Chemistry, if you like, and youth took care of the rest. 
You sound like an old, old man airing philosophy. I told you I've been civilized too long. You've been a bachelor too long. I think I'll dig up a nice young girl for you. Marriage is a sensation, Dick. Well worth a try. Well, I don't quite like the idea of digging up a girl for me. Sounds like she's been buried already. <laughs> um, here, we turn this way, to the north now. Uh, are you sure? Of course I'm sure. I know these north woods like a... Oh, like, like a book. Yes, like a book. You'll never get lost with me. We'll be at the next port by six this evening. I still think we ought to have taken a guide along. Oh, nonsense. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about at all. Just stick to Dick Linton and you can't go wrong. Nothing to worry about. That's the way writers are. So sure of themselves. Except they ought to stick to paper and pencil, not to their memories of North Woods. At six o'clock in the evening, there wasn't a fort in sight. And by ten o'clock that night, even die-hard Dick had to admit. Well, we're lost. No. Yeah, we're lost. I'm sorry, Charles. Mm. Well, you're being pretty monosyllabic about the whole thing. Normal, under the circumstances. Hey, that wasn't the wind, was it, Dick? No, uh, wolves. Wolves? Hmm. Not afraid of them, are you? Oh, no, I love them. Especially at night when I'm cold and hungry. And they are, too. Well, we'll have to sleep in the trees. You'll have to sleep in the trees. I wasn't built that way. You can't sleep on the ground. You'll never live through the night if you... I'm not sleeping on the ground, Dick. I'm walking until we find someplace. Well, we might not find the fort till tomorrow morning. Or tomorrow evening. But whenever it is, I'm going to find it as soon as possible. Uh, even sooner than that, if that keeps up. You coming with me? Sure, I'm with you. Oh, boy, I'm hungry. Oh, say, wouldn't a nice, thick, luscious steak taste good? You know, one of the charcoal broil variety dripping with butter and fried onions. Oh, stop it. Or one of Bertha's lamb stews with mashed potatoes and rich tomato gravy. If you want to die, just keep on talking. Just the thought of food, and I'm a murdering maniac. Oh, how about a real English roast beef with Yorkshire pudding? Oh, you're asking for it. <laughs> Hmm. I wonder just how hungry that wolf is. Maybe he won't mind if his meat isn't cooked, huh? I'm sure he won't. They're carnivori, which means in Latin, carnivorous or man-eaters. Or... Hey, Charlie. Huh? Look, straight ahead of you. Isn't that a light over there? Well, yeah, I think so. Hey, maybe it's the fort. No, it's not the fort here. We're miles off the beaten track. Well, what is it then? I don't know. Looks like a cabin from here. Oh, I'm not particular. Let's find out. Fine, I'll lead the way. Oh, no. You've led the way so far, but this time, Dick, my boy, I'm leading. Follow Charlie and see some food. Food? Food. Whoever lives there must eat. Maybe it's not steak, but it's something. It is a cabin, all right. Shall I knock on the door? Well, you can't get in any other way. Huh, who can't? This rickety old shack could be blown down by a good strong breath. Hmm? Fine-looking place, isn't it? I'm not amused. Knock on the door. Such a timid knock. Uh, my hand's numb. Yeah, well, try it again. Hope this guy's friendly. Uh-oh. Our friends are sniffing about again. And I don't look at all well in tomato sauce. Oh, Evening. Something I can do for you, gentlemen? Uh... We, uh, we managed to... Uh, we hope to find some place to stay for the night, sir. We're, we're completely off the beaten track. Uh-huh. You don't say. Come in. Come in, gentlemen. Uh, yes. 
I'd be delighted to put you up this evening if you don't mind sleeping on the floor in the attic. Well, at this point, we don't mind anything. Don't you? Uh, uh, my name's uh, Charles Costar, sir, and uh, my friend is Dick Linton. How do you do? Yeah. My name is Joel. Just Joel. At least, they used to call me Joel. Have you eaten yet this evening? Uh, no, as a matter of fact, and we're starving. Well, yes. Come in and sit down, and I'll fix you some dinner. That is, if you don't mind my meager rations. Oh, we don't mind anything at this point. Uh, do we, Dick? Oh, no, no, definitely not. Uh, uh, there's an old American saying, you know, uh, food is food. <laughs> Let's eat, huh? I'll fry some deer steak for you, and I have some wine. Oh, wonderful. Uh, tell me, Mr. Joel, uh, do you live here all alone? Unfortunately, yes. You see, I'm an outcast from your society. But a man be different, and in automatically he becomes an outcast. Yeah, there, there's something in what you say. Let him look a little different, or think a little different, or speak a little different. And he becomes a marked man. The individual is not allowed the privilege of individuality. Mankind doesn't permit it. Oh, I... I don't think so, really. Don't you? I'll just set the table and you can sit down over here and eat. Uh, come along, Charles. Yes. I can prove my point. Now look at me. I'm different. Larger than most men, I unfortunately grew too tall. And I'm too ugly for the average man to, to stomach. I was hated. Yes, hated by your civilization and feared too. Not because I was cruel or vindictive or dishonest, but because I was different. Yes, yes, I'm a giant in stature. Uh, uh, well, I... Uh, don't feel badly for me. I've had my revenge on society, and I'll have even more revenge on little people like yourselves. Hmm. Yes, sir. Uh, it's quite understandable that you feel that way. Uh... Gentlemen, before you sit down to dinner, allow me to hang your hunting guns up here. They'll bother you if you carry them around. Oh, well, we really don't mind. I mind. Your hunting gun, sir. And your hunting gun. There. Now I both, I'll just hang them up here. Uh, you say you live alone, uh, Joel? Yes, that shoe in the corner, that was never your shoe. It's too small for you. You're very observant, Mr. Linton. No, that wasn't my shoe. I found it in the forest one day and brought it home for the purpose of remaking it, like that coat hanging over there. Found a coat and a shoe lying in this outlandish district? Yes, yes, a coat and a shoe. Of course, they were on a man, but he was dead. He died of... I don't quite know what he died of. His legs had been gnawed off by some prowling beasts. Oh, he, he must have become uh, lost out here, like ourselves, huh? Exactly like yourselves, gentlemen. Exactly like yourselves. Dinner's ready.
Silence in the court. Silence in the court. Now, go ahead with your testimony, Mr. Castar. Well, you can see what a spot Dick and I were in. We, we didn't trust that man for a second. Believe me, he was... Well, darn it, anyway, the man was unbalanced. It was well after we finished eating dinner that Joel lit a good, warm, roaring fire in the fireplace, and then... Well, gentlemen, it's time to retire. I'm sleepy, and I'm sure you two are. Uh, yes, very sleepy. Uh, mind if we take our guns upstairs? I'd uh, like to clean you them. You won't need them this evening. You can clean them in the morning. Come along, please. Uh, yeah, uh, come on, Charlie. Yeah, I'm right behind you, Dick. Be careful of this stepladder. It's rickety, to say the least. <laughs> so I notice, yeah. I'll go first and get the blankets out. Yes, fortunately, I have two blankets up here, although they're musty enough. Oh, don't worry about us. All right. Come up now. Uh, right away. I'd feel a lot better if I had those hunting guns, and I don't blame you. You can see for yourself, Mr. Linton, that this attic is not accustomed to guests. Musty. And the spiders are troublesome to strangers. Spiders? They are my friends. My only friends. They say he who shares a roof with you automatically becomes your friend. They have shared this roof with me for many years. Good night, gentlemen. Sleep well. Oh, good night. Great Scott, what, what kind of a mess have we gotten ourselves into? I don't know. He's got a cog loose in his mind somewhere, that's certain. Very certain. What do we do? I'll tell you. One sleeps and the other stands guard. That won't do us any good, Dick. He's ten times our size, and besides, we're unarmed. Oh, I've got your thirty-eight in my pocket. What? You forget about it, huh? Yeah, I did. Look, through these boards in the attic. You can watch Joel very easily. The fireplace throws a nice light on him. How will we arrange the watch? Well, you go to sleep for an hour. Yeah. Then I'll wake you up, give you the gun, and then I'll go to sleep for an hour, and you stand guard. Okay? Yeah. Uh, what time is it now? Uh, 1 a.m. <sighs> What's he doing down there? <laughs> Curling up on the floor near the fireplace. About to go to sleep. I hope he sleeps well. <sighs> Too well to wake up. Yes, he doesn't. I hope your gun works. That's all. Oh, I'm so sleepy. Good night. <sighs> Proceed, Mr. Castano. Yes, I... I put my head on the floor and slept. But I slept a troubled sleep. A restless sleep. And my hands kept clawing the floor. A floor that was alive with insect life. Then, no sooner had I put my head on the floor than it seemed Dick nudged me. Wake up, wake up. It's 2 a.m. Uh, huh? Huh? Oh, okay, okay. What happened? Nothing. It's your turn now. Oh, I'm really licked. Really licked. So much walking and then all this. He was quite right. All this. He lay down on the floor and soon he was sound asleep. Sleeping like he was drugged. Poor Dick was all in. I sat upright, concentrating on sitting upright, to keep my eyes from closing. I was so tired and my blood ran cold as I kept my eyes glued to the still figure which lay beneath us. The hut was so quiet that my wristwatch sounded like the beating of tom-toms in that silence. Tick, 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 beating off the seconds, perhaps slicing off the seconds left of our lives... And I waited and watched, waited and watched. Then suddenly the huge figure beneath me... 
stretched his huge form in front of the fireplace and yawned. His large, expressionless eyes sought mine through the planks of the floor, and I thought for a moment he saw me sitting there. Perhaps my crouched figure in the attic somehow threw a shadow down on the floor of the hut below. Then he arose, cat-like. That huge form arose gracefully and quietly. He eased himself up and walked to the door as if listening for someone or something. Then, just as quietly, he opened the door and... Yes. Yes. Yes, come back shortly. Shortly. He said, come back shortly. Who was he talking to? And what was he talking about? Come back. Come back to murder us. He shut the door just as gently as he opened it. And then returning to the place before the fire, he again curled up near the warmth of the blaze. I glanced down at my watch. It was three o'clock. I nudged Dick, gently at first, and then harder. Dick, your turn. Dick, Dick, wake up. Oh, hour up so soon. Yes. Here, here's the gun. Okay, I'm awake. Anything happened? Listen, he's got an accomplice. What? Somebody was standing outside the door a while back. He told him to come back shortly. That explains the small shoe, maybe. Maybe. Oh, I'm so tired, I don't think I can sleep. I I don't think I can sleep. Ah, you'll sleep. Just relax. I don't think so. Really, I... I... Come in. Come in. Yeah? Are they asleep now? Yes, fast asleep, the poor fools. One of them thought he could stay awake. I could see them taking turns staying awake. But I put enough dope in their wine to knock them out completely. Have they much money with them? Who knows? But whatever they have, we need. Here, give me that log you brought in. Here you are. Now I'll splinter it. Like this. And light one end of us. Nothing like this wood burning to dope them completely. What will we do with them later? Put them outside for the animals. Mm. I'll wait down here for you. You go upstairs. I won't be long. These things never take very long. Dick. Dick. Give me the gun. Give me the gun. Dick. Dick. Have you fallen asleep? Dick, wake up. Dick, are you doped? Dick, he's coming at us. Give me the gun. Give me the gun. Please, Dick, give me the gun. There. There, I've got the gun now. You're laughing at me. You're laughing. Time to wake up now for the last time. No, take this. There. There, that's got you. That's got you. That's got you. Where's your friend? Where's the little man? Dick, help me find the little man now. Help me, help me, help me. Dick? Dick! I was stunned. Completely stunned. The room looked strange to me. The smoking gun in my hand looked strange to me. The whole world seemed to blot out in front of my eyes, and suddenly I looked down at the dark mass lying at my feet, and then I looked up. My eyes were absolutely level with Joel's eyes as he climbed up into the attic. Then, in a voice filled with horror, he said, Great Lord, sir, what have you done? You've killed him, and he was just about to wake you. 
Yes. I killed Dick Linton. My best friend. When he was just about to wake me. I'd been dreaming. And I killed him. Thank you, Mr. Castara. My next witness is Dr. Harding. Now, Dr. Harding, will you please take the stand? Yes, sir. Place your left hand on the Bible. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. You heard the testimony of the defendant, Dr. Harding. I did, sir. Is it possible for a man, a man asleep as he was, to fire the gun load at his best friend because of a nightmare? It was more than a nightmare. It was somnolentia, sleep drunkenness. Overtired as Mr. Coster was, his nerves were overtaxed and his fears and suspicions had been aroused. This result is perfectly natural and certainly medically sound. The defendant was not in his right mind at the time of the murder. Uh, thank you, Dr. Harding. Gentlemen of the jury, to sum up this case, Joel the Giant had told his guests the truth about the shoe. At the time he opened the door... He was just talking to his dog, who had been scratching outside. But to a man mentally exhausted and filled with fear, Joel's actions were certainly those which would arouse suspicion. Gentlemen, in behalf of my client, I beg leniency. Leniency. Bertha. Bertha, please, darling. It was all explained in court. This doesn't change anything between us, nothing at all. Doesn't it? I love my brother more than you can understand, Charles. I know the court has ruled you innocent. But a court of law has very little to do with a woman's heart. If you love me, Bertha... I'll always love you. But I'll never be able to trust you again. There are seven days in a week, Charles. Some of those days, I love you and forget this whole horrible affair. But more days, my brother's face will loom up in front of me. Dick would understand. I wouldn't see you because his face would stand between us. I'd spend those days hating you. So, I'm leaving you, Charles. Take good care of yourself. I... I can't help it. I hope you understand. Bertha, please. Goodbye, Charles. Bertha!
From the time-worn pages of the past, we have heard another immortal tale in The Weird Circle. Bellkeeper, toll the bell. Be here in this lonely cave by the restless sea once again next time for another immortal tale in The Weird Circle. That's the show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror 1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, say hello, a suggestion, a request, a even a critique, please feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. And I also have a YouTube channel. Please check it out. Subscribe. Like the videos. Will be highly appreciated. Again, this is your host, Keith, better known as the Radio Show Nerd, signing off. <laughs>